0: The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. All right, would you open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1? Ephesians chapter 1. Where we're beginning a new sermon series this morning entitled Limitless. Somebody say limitless. Limitless. And um, this series is going to be in the first three chapters of Ephesians. But I'd encourage you to take some time in your personal Bible reading to read through the book of Ephesians, and you'll realize that the first three chapters are uh, a description of what God has done, and the last three chapters are commands about what we ought to do in response. And so you get true, 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 and then do, do, do. It's a very simple format, but chapters one through three they, they dive into the complexities of theology and God's heart and mind and plan for eternity. And just every three words, you have to stop and think when you're reading through chapter one and chapter two and chapter three. So much so that the apostle Paul twice in this section kind of breaks out in a prayer for his, his audience, the readers, and for us, just pleading with God that we would have The ability to understand and to experience what he's talking about and so this is heavy duty stuff and i want to take us to verse 19 of chapter 1 as we start this series limitless and i want to talk to you this morning about god's limitless power god's limitless power and unfortunately Going to verse 19 without reading from verse 1, it may be a little hard for us to pick up. I'm going to start at 15. I'm going to stop at 22 just so we have a little bit of immediate context. But um, this is like trying to take your wife into a new store that she's been dying to go into but only to buy one specific thing. That's what it's going to feel like this morning. Have you guys ever done that? You ever? I, I tried to take Tiffany and I were at Downtown Disney on a date, and we went into Sugar Boo to get a gift for somebody. And, and the whole way she was like, oh, oh, oh. And she's everywhere looking around. And I'm like, we got to get the gift. We got to get the gift. And that's, that's what that's what this is going to be like. We're going to kind of go into a store, a Victorian architectural salvage into land, same way. They have all this stuff harvested from old houses. And I'm going in there for a doorknob and I just can't get four feet in. And I'm like, did you see this? And so that's what's going to happen in Ephesians. So I'm going to disappoint you, but we're going to zoom in on verse 19. I want to take the time we have this morning to talk specifically about God's limitless power, and we need that. I don't know if you guys keep feeling, uh, you turn on your TV, you're shocked at what you're hearing, and then you feel this overwhelming kind of rush of uh, powerlessness that leads to resentment and anger. Anybody experiencing that? I feel it like daily, weekly for sure, daily sometimes, and then I can't even kind of shake that off. I feel like, and I keep asking questions like, what can we do? Is anybody asking those questions? What can we do? What is going on in this world? What is going on in this world where your 10 year old is free to choose their gender, but you have to have a vaccine? What, what is going on there? What, what, I'm not saying vaccines are bad. I am saying changing your gender is bad. But I'm saying, what is, the, what is going on in the world when those two things are happening simultaneously and the people in charge are going, yeah, that's right? This is crazy. I feel the same way about, how, how is it we're arguing about limiting abortion in Texas, and that's bad to you, but we're letting thousands of undocumented, unvetted, and sick people across the border and doing nothing about it and saying nothing about it? What is going on? And so I go, what in the world is happening, and, and what can I do about it? And I want to encourage you, because it may feel like you can do nothing, but part of the problem is we got to zoom out a little bit, and if I touch one of your hot button topics, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's gonna happen again multiple times before you leave today. <laughs> and, and, and you know me, I don't stand on one side of the aisle or the other. I'm, I'm, I'm coming at this from a, hey, Jesus is in charge of this world, and so what he says is right, what he says is wrong, and then we compare everybody to his standard. Do you understand? There's no bad team, good team. This is all about all the people who we have elected and putting them in positions of power, and this is a global thing, not an American thing. And so we're here to, to recognize our citizenship in heaven. We're here to submit to the king of the universe. But more importantly, we're here to have our eyes fixed, our faith strengthened, our paradigm shifted, our minds prepared, and our hope set. Amen. Amen? So let's talk about God's limitless power. Ephesians chapter 1 We're going to start in verse 15, although a lot has already happened. I'm kind of taking you in the back door, like, don't walk through the lobby. You're not going to make it. (laughs) Verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. And verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God, we thank you for your word that has been read in our hearing And we ask your rich blessing upon it. May your spirit attend it as we consider its meaning. And would you give us minds to understand, hearts to receive. God, you you are the one who opens blind eyes and you are the one who unstops deaf ears. And you are the one who has raised Jesus from the dead, who has provided for us a spirit of wisdom and knowledge and revelation. God, would you do what only you can do? as we give you our attention. God, we confess our, our bodies are weak, but our spirits are willing, and so would you help us to concentrate and to consider, and to evaluate, and to listen. In Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said, amen. amen. So I think about this series, Limitless, and immediately my brain starts to categorize my own limitations. And you guys ever do like a strength finders test a personality test, what's your leadership style? Anybody do those kind of things? You used to. You're like, I did when I was your age, son. <laughs> uh, we're, always, we're always kind of figuring out our best way forward. But one of, the, one of the, the biggest, most important things that we come to discover, especially as we age, is uh, identifying our own limitations. Uh, and some of those things can be expanded. Some of our limitations can, can be pushed past, right? Like, for instance, when we go to three services, I'm going to have to learn how to preach in 30 minutes. Never done that before, except on Easter, once a year, right? So that's a limitation I've had. I'm going to have to figure it out. Otherwise, just new people are going to be walking into the middle of a half-done sermon. Parking lot will be crazy. Got to figure it out, right? But there's also these limitations that you can't improve upon and you have to find systems around. For instance, I have zero concept of time, like none, Like zero, like I can't tell if it's been 15 minutes or three years, like it's that bad. It's literally that bad. I'm not joking, it's not hyperbole at all. I have to wear a watch in order just to know what's going on and regularly I look up at it and hours have passed and I am not aware. So I have zero concept of the passing of time, which all of our guests are like, this is dangerous, you're letting him be in charge? (laughs) He's, so this has been really problematic. And so I, I worked on this for years and years and years and years and I was never able to improve the mental capacity to, to pay, pay attention. And so I say things like, remember a few months ago when? And Tiffany's like, that was seven years ago when that happened. <laughs> anybody else do that? Is there anybody in my in light company? So I have zero, and, and, and some people say like, oh, I'm getting old. I've been like this forever, okay? This is not new for me. And I hope it doesn't get worse, because wow. So this is one of my limitations. Now, my dad, I've told you this before, my dad did a really good job of trying to help me not have... Um unhelpful limitations. And so some, some of us had, some of you guys had dads that criticized you, parents that told you you were an idiot, that you were dumb, that you were emotional, that something was wrong with you. You may have been criticized and that shrunk your sense of self and created around you limitations that weren't even real. Maybe your life has been a journey of, of figuring out that those things, negativity, and those words spoken over you were not actually true at all. My dad did the opposite. He would tell me things like, if somebody's smart enough to make it, you're smart enough to fix it. He would say that. He did. He'd say, your, your granddad was a PhD and he was one of the most brilliant men I've ever met and you got a mind just like his. You can, you can understand anything. You can learn anything. There's nothing that could stop you He'd say stuff like this to me. Now, of course he was wrong, okay? <laughs> he was dead wrong. But, but what happened was because of that, I had this expectation that I had this immense capacity. So instead of being locked down by limits that weren't there, I just ran headlong to find them. I just went, oh, oh, oh. You can do any. I remember the first time um, I was doing a sprinkler job. It's all low voltage electricity. I'd run all this little low voltage wire. and doing all kinds of stuff. Well, I got to this house and I renovated this whole old system. This m- big palatial estate down in Bethune Beach on the river. And I went to go put the timer in. And at some point, an electrician had changed out the subpanel. And there used to be an outlet there for the sprinklers, and there was no outlet there before. And I had never done it. I was 20, 21 years old. Never done any, um, you know, electrical work like that. So I'm like, how hard could this be? And I opened up the electrical panel, zip, zip, pulled it off. I'm staring in there, big main, seeing how everything's wired. I'm like, I'm just going to add a breaker and add an outlet. Never done it before. And I'm reaching my hand in there. And I had this feeling like, I think this is one of those limits, Jess. It was one of the smartest moments of my life. <laughs> and so, and so I, pick, I pick up my phone. Hey, dad. <laughs> hey, dad. Uh, and so he just he walked me through the whole thing. And I had no idea what I was doing. I could have been killed that day, it's possible. <laughs> but I but I went for it because I assumed that I was able to. So now I don't know what your experience is of limitations, your own limitations, but as, as big of a deal as your sense of your limits are, maybe imposed on you by a critical parent or someone bully in middle school, I don't know where your limitations came from, or maybe you're like me and you're always pushing the limits to discover your limitations. Those things matter significantly less in the grand scheme than the limitations that you put on God. You see, all of us have this concept of God that comes with a set of limitations. Anytime you say God will always or God will never, that describes some of the parameters of what you believe about the nature and character of God, the way that he interacts with the world. It influences the way that you pray, the way that you believe, the way that you interact with other people, your expectations of what happens on the inside of you in your most intimate relationships and with what God wants to do through you in the world? Do you you realize that all the things you think about God actually do a whole lot more to limit you than even your self-imposed limits or the ones that you carry from an influential person in your past? And so in this series, what I really wanna do is help us to push our limits on what we have thought about God. I wanna talk to you about God's limitless power And what that means for us this morning, next week, I wanna talk to you about God's limitless forgiveness and how that affects us and our relationship with God and also our relationships with each other. And then I wanna end with God's limitless love from chapter three. Now I would have done these naturally in the opposite order, but but Paul did this on purpose. And so I'm still trying to figure out why, but that's the order we're gonna take because that's the way the scriptures kind of lay out. So we're gonna be chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. And I want us to really push through the limitations maybe we've placed on God that we don't think about. Now, when I think about limitless, I also think about the first time I ever saw all the stars in the sky. Anybody here from the, the west part of our country, living out in the desert, anybody? So I'm like the East Coast boy. I grew up all the way until I was 18 years old, uh, just awash in ambient light. You, you wake up in the middle of the night and you look up at the star, right? That's, it's just a big bright, fuzzy, like, oh, the stars are so pretty. And, and, uh, and I was always like fascinated by like heat lightning. Remember those, I love those summer heat lightning storms where just lightning's racing across the sky. I would stay up all night and just watch lightning. I, I'm fascinated by that. When I was 18, I went on this uh, trip to Lake Powell in U- Arizona, Utah, and uh, we camped out, and it was super fun. But I w- woke up in the middle of the night, the first night, unzipped my little tent and I walked outside and I saw so many stars I felt like the sky was coming down on me it was like a totally uh, surreal experience and I just stood there for like hours I didn't go back to sleep I just I'm like and there was no one around there was no moon at all it was just a new moon and so it's just full as everywhere you could see just star 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 stars so I was captivated have you ever seen that it's amazing it's powerful and you just start to think about where are these stars I was tucking Molly in. I always had the best conversations with Molly. She's my six-year-old. I was tucking her in the other night and she asked me these questions, crazy questions, all the time out of nowhere. Good night, baby. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. Dad, where's heaven? She says, where's heaven? Well, the Bible talks about three different heavens, actually. The, The word for heaven is the word for sky. And so when you look up and you see the clouds, that's the heavens. But then at night when you can see past that and you see the stars, that's the second heaven. And then there's this third heaven where God is. And that's kind of very far away, but also right on top of us, it's kind of hard to explain. And so the temple's kind of where heaven meets earth. She's like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> She's always correcting me. She's thinking about people who have passed away and where are they now and can they see us and that sort of thing. I'm always giving her the big, heavy, long theological conversation. But it's these, it's these limitless stars. And she started asking me, how do we get there? And I'm saying, baby, those stars, this is the closest one from our sun. If you went, it's the speed of light. You wouldn't make it before you passed away of natural death. That's how far away, and there's billions of galaxies. I look this up on Wikipedia, which is a great place for people's opinion. Here's what it says. <laughs> how many stars are there in the universe? There are about 10 billion galaxies, not stars, galaxies, clusters of stars in the observable universe, means the ones we can see from here. The number of stars in the galaxies varies, but assuming on average, I love varies assuming average, (laughs) tells you a lot about Wikipedia, Uh, of a hundred billion stars per galaxy means that there are about, look look at this number, that's a billion trillion stars in the observable universe. That seems fairly limitless, doesn't it? when you think about it. And then this thing happens when we consider our limits and we get to a number like that and we just go, put an exponent on it so we can shrink it down and then we can't even think about it. Like how do you even think about that? How do you, how do you even have a construct for that? Well, imagine that many zeros was in your banking app. Well, let's check the balance, Ho! Oh! Imagine how you would feel when you have access to limit, limitless resources. We live in this limitless world, but, but all of us are walking around with a limited God in our understanding and our faith in our pocket. And so we want to stretch that a little bit, and the scriptures are going to do that. And Paul's praying that that's what happened. Notice that this power, this limitless power, is said to be toward us. Look at verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Toward us. And so we're not just talking about a power that's out there. We're talking about a power that is aimed and it's aimed directly at us. It's for our experience, it's for our salvation, it's for our transformation, it's for our restoration, it's for our good. So much so that this power is personified in one of the persons of God, the Holy Spirit. We've already seen the Apostle Paul as a rich Trinitarian theology. He talks about the Father of glory, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us a spirit of, of wisdom and a revelation and the knowledge of him. And so Paul has this understanding, this monotheistic God of the Old Testament now expressed as the father of glory and his eternal son. And now this Holy Spirit that was with God in the beginning and oversaw and has empowered the people of God in history past, but now into the new covenant because of what Jesus has done, the Holy Spirit indwells every believer. We have a great high priest who cleanses us on the inside, who is an acceptable offering for sin and makes us the temple of God where he now dwells and who dwells in us is the spirit of power. Think about the power source. This is not just a power that's around you or a power we can understand, we can calculate, think about it's a power that's aimed at you and dwells in you. Wouldn't you like to know its limits? Wouldn't you like to understand its capacity? Acts 1:8, Jesus said to the disciples, They're ready for the kingdom to happen, they're ready for life to commence on earth with Jesus as King. They say, Is it now? He says, Nope, not yet. It's not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so God's going to empower his mission. He's going to do that in, in our hearts. 2 Timothy 2.7, Paul writes to feeble and f- afraid Timothy. God gave us not a spirit of fear. What are you afraid of? What keeps you up at night? Timothy was said to have some anxiety issues that gave him stomach problems and he was prescribed alcohol. If you read, just drink, just drink, a little, just have a glass of wine. Chill out, buddy. You got to calm yourself down. You are putting your stomach in knots. This is in the Bible. You can read it. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what would do better than a cab salve on a Thursday night. Do better is recognizing that that spirit of fear is not from God. God didn't give you that spirit of fear. God gave you spirit of love and of power and of sound mind. This is who God has given to us. And it's the same spirit that was in Jesus. He had the spirit without measure, you'll recall. And this is why when Jesus was crucified and placed into the grave, he got to, he got to work in the, in the hidden realm. We don't know what he was doing in there, but he got to work in the hidden realm, but he couldn't stay dead because the spirit was inside of him. And so on the third day, that spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Listen, I can't even wake myself from a good nap, right? And here is the spirit within Jesus in Romans 11, 8, 8, 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Holy spirit. Don't die without him. Can I get amen? Amen. So we have this limitless power. It's toward us, but what is its nature? And it's, it's, it's hard to understand. I'm gonna apply it in three specific ways in my conclusion. I want you to think about and meditate upon. This is, this is homework for you. This is not everything you need. This is not, everything's getting dispensed right here. This is me pushing you in the right direction. But it's important that we recognize that the power of God, limitless as it is, is also somewhat counterintuitive. Because right now we think about power. How many of you guys have thought about uh, starting a new political party? How, <laughs> How many of you have thought about uh, amending your financial decisions to only support companies that agree with your perspective on certain political issues? How many of you have been thinking through what it would look like to, uh, to rally or to protest? Or You start thinking about the things that you are going to do. And all of those things have to do with leveraging your power, uh, your strength, your mind, your perspective, your voice, the, the, the things that you have, you use that. It, and that's the world's way the world uses power. Do you realize everybody does that? And you can do that in debate, which is a great way of doing it. For centuries before this beautiful experiment called America happened, we just killed each other until whoever had the biggest army was in charge of everything. That's kind of how the world was for centuries and centuries and centuries. Kind of glad that's not what's happening. You're like coming to a theater near you. But this is not the way that God's power works. In fact, God's power is counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive. Think about this for a second. God says his power is experienced in weakness. Power and weakness. <laughs> Look at 2 Corinthians twelve nine. Remember Paul, the apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, he had this, he had this experience of pain. He was struggling. <laughs> he was hurting. We don't know exactly what it is. He didn't clarify, he called it a thorn in the flesh, but he kept asking God to take it away, to turn it off. He kept asking God to do something about it. And what did God say to him? Three times he asked, but look at verse nine. Then he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for, somebody say my power. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me, said, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You see, a lot of times we limit God's power in us to our own power ourselves. But the reality is, is when we are the most humble, when we are the most dependent, when we are the most needy, when we are the most weak, that is when the power of God becomes visible. That is when the power of God becomes experience, is when we run out of the end of our rope, we run out of the end of our resources, we run out of the end of our good ideas, we have no more wisdom, we have no more plan. What's the plan? I don't know, I just give up. And then there's the power of God right there. See, it's counterintuitive. No longer we're running towards flexing the power we have using our voice, and this happens to me all the time. Uh, I had a dad who yelled, some of us had a dad who yelled, that was an upgrade from his dad, who uses fists. So I was, I'm glad I didn't get fists, so I got a voice. But I just decided I'm not gonna be a dad who yells. And it was easy, until I had four children. <clears throat> and then I started doing this thing where like, they're all talking at full volume, yelling, and I'm trying to say something meaningful to one of them. And the only way to be heard is to bring your voice to the top. Now I am still the loudest in the house, I can still get the loudest, but, but, I, but I started using my voice to get everybody's attention, but that very quickly gave, gave voice to this inner sense of control. And now there's this, I have this, I'm finding myself more regularly impelled to use my, my power of voice to take control of a situation. And I don't, be, I don't wanna be like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so it's counterintuitive for us to speak kindly, to walk into a room of chaotic children and pull one of them aside and in a very small loving voice say, I need you to use your inside voice instead of saying, Everybody shut up! Do you understand? But the power of God is found counterintuitively to the way the world uses power. The power of God is seen through sacrifice. This is crazy. More power is unleashed when we give over and put to death something of value than when we hold on to it, build it up, save it up, store it up hold grip on it. Do you realize this? If you, you read the Old Testament all the way through, sacrificial system, people go, oh, that's in the past, I don't need to understand that. No, it's the sacrifices where the power was. Think about the promise God made to Abraham. And he kept unveiling a little bit of the promise, a little bit of the promise. When did the big promise come? When he said, hey, here's this boy I gave you in whom is all your hope, Isaac, the thing you hoped for against hope again and again and again and again and again, you said, when will it be, when will it be, when will it be? And now here it is, and now you have the son. I want you to give him to me, I want you to sacrifice him. But there was, the power came. Where did the power come? When he was willing to sacrifice his son. Now God is not about child sacrifice. It was an object lesson for Abraham. It was a demonstration for us, and it was a foreshadow of a sacrifice that God would make his own son, where there would not be a substitute, he would be the substitute. Do you see it? You see, it's in the sacrifice that the power comes. You wanna experience power, there has to be sacrifice. You gotta receive that sacrifice and that's where the power begins. You don't get the power of the Holy Spirit until there's a sacrifice for your sins. Do you realize this? That's where the power begins when there's a sacrifice. The same thing happens for us. I don't know this, I, I, I rarely tell these stories, but you know, we started this One Life Initiative And our our family's on a single income, fixed income. We have four children, everything's very expensive. God put it into our hearts to participate, which meant we had to cut back into our budget in order to participate. We gave the biggest chunk of cash we'd ever given out of our savings, and then we committed to a a sizable monthly figure for us that meant we had to, to say no to a bunch of stuff. And you know what's happened since then? In just six months, multiple opportunities of things to make money has come in. I've had, I've had more resources put in my lap over the last six months than I ever, ever had and totally unexpected, all of it. You're like, now that's not a parlor trick. We don't go, all right, God, I'm gonna write this check. You better do this for me, you know? It's not, God's not a cosmic vending machine, do you understand? But he responds to sacrifice with power. Do you understand? He always does. He goes, if you're willing to go all in, ho watch my all in. You thought you were something. You thought you had something to give. Watch what I can do. And every single time, this is where the power is. Power is in sacrifice. Power is not, power is not in taking charge, taking control, threats, leverage, powers, and sacrifice. And, and the power is over evil, not people. I know sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, isn't it? See, the, the world system of power wants to divide the good people from the bad people. And the people who always have the influence tell us who those are. These are the good people over here. These are the bad people over here. It doesn't work that way, does it? We know better. Can I get an amen? Amen. In fact, we have to understand. It was uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn that said his discovery of being in the gulag, in in the Russian concentration camps, he got to recognize the evil in these prisoners who were oppressed and the good in these soldiers who were oppressing. And he said... Famously, that the line the line of good and evil runs through every human heart. Do you see it? And so the power is not about crushing the bad people, separating the bad people from the good people. The power is when good is victorious over evil. Do you understand? And this is why the Apostle Paul later in the book in chapter 6 and verse 12, says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so this power is counterintuitive. Now, this is really important for you to understand because so many of us are looking for natural, physical, relational ways to leverage power for good. You see a world that's on decline you go, we need to do something about it. And so you want to grab a sword or a, or a vote or a microphone and you want to say, let's do a physical thing to battle the evil. But that just plays into who are the good people and who are the bad people. Do you realize that? The reality of the fact is that there is good and there is evil. There's forces of good and there's forces of evil. And where we'll experience God's power is when we align our efforts with what God says is good. And we recognize that our fight is with darkness, with evil that has people in its grip. This is why it's so, it should blow your mind when we get to the end of this whole section. And what, is, what does the Apostle Paul say about this power that's limitless that God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? And then it says, he put all things under his feet. Does the world look like all things are under his feet? Does it? It doesn't. It says he's seated in the heavenly places, that he is the rightful king and the heir of the universe. Is that what it looks like on the news yesterday? It doesn't, but the reality is, is that he is ruling and reigning supreme and he is very, very patient. And every person on the planet of great magnitude of power or small will one day stand before this perfect king who has made himself a sacrifice for anyone and everyone, but who will stand as judge for the world. And at that point, That is when true justice comes and we begin to live in the world with only good and evil meets its final demise. And in the meantime, God is doing a work that must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so it should blow your mind that he says he put all things in subjection to him. That means there's nothing going on out there that Jesus does not have power over. Isn't that good news? There's no one that he does not have power over. No one. No one is outside of the realm of his sovereign reign. No one. And yet, he's patiently waiting. Why? Why not wrap this whole thing up now? Why not? Anybody feel that urgency? You know what the answer is? All those people out there who are still under the oppressive hand of darkness, whose minds are still filled with lies that control them, that have brought them to a place of calling evil good and good evil evil. The only reason our king has not broken in from heaven's realm to stand in final judgment is because he has a purpose to save people for eternity with him. Do you realize that's the real mission? That's the real purpose. That's why we're all still here. And so many of us don't recognize the limitless power of God because we're not engaging in his purpose. It's especially, it's especially bad for Americans, especially 21st century evangelicals. It's, it's the worst. I talked in the previous series about a paradigm shift. How many of you guys have ever been to a third world country? I was 26 the first year I went to a third world country. It changed my life forever. I will never, ever, ever, ever look at my world the same ever again. Not when I flew into Guatemala and I saw people living in in structures that could be upgraded to a pop-up beach tent living on the side of the road. Trash everywhere, dogs running around, kids playing, filthy people, disease, sickness, no health care, people with rifles walking the borders. You didn't feel safe. You didn't know what you could eat, what you couldn't. It was terrifying. And most of the world lives in something more like that than what we experience. Do you realize that? And so we get in this little bubble. And we expect to experience God's power in our prosperity. We expect God to answer our prayers for me, his protection for me, his preservation for me, his, his healing for me. Now listen, God's for you. We sang it. His favor is towards you. Do you realize that? But you want to know where his power will be experienced most? When you start pushing the line of what he's trying to get done, and that is to change people's hearts and deliver them from darkness. Now I got good news for you. There's just as many people locked in darkness in wealthy America as there is in Guatemala. And so we got work to to do. But how many of us are engaging in that work? You want to see the activity of the Holy Spirit, giving signs and wonders to attend the explaining of God's truth to people locked in darkness? That's where you'll start to experience it. Sometimes we create our own limit. It's just our unwillingness to engage in his purpose. He put all things in subjection under his feet and he gave him as head, not to the United States, not to the United Nations, to the church. Brothers and sisters, we are a part of something that is absolutely the vaccination for the sickness of our planet. We are the carriers of the vaccine. Do you realize this? We are the ones meant to be delivering truth to people. And it's the truth that does the work. You don't have to do the work. This amazing thing happens when the truth of who God is and what he's done. It's very, very simple. If you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You tell people this news, you say, what? They're engaged in a way of thinking that's exactly the opposite of everything you know to be good. They are the enemy. What is wrong with you? We need to get your kind out of here. Us and them, worldly way of thinking. No, tell them about Jesus. Watch what happens. They get changed on the inside right away. Immediately, their journey begins. Now listen, here's where the power exists. Let me close right here. There's three ways we see this power. Number one, power to save. Somebody say power to save power to save your greatest need if you're listening to me if you haven't already experienced God's gift of salvation your greatest need is to be saved saved because we are all pushing towards an imminent return of Christ where everyone will be judged and before you get judged you want to get saved can I get an amen the power is power to save and when that power reaches a, a human ear and a miracle happens by the holy spirit's power we get transformed in an instant and we go from being dead to being alive We go from being in the kingdom of darkness to being transferred to the kingdom of light. The lights come on We begin to see the world as God says it is and not through our myopic small experience and tendencies, temptations, and proclivities. What happens is the miracle of salvation begins. Listen, the war we're in is not a political war. It's always been a culture war. You wanna know how we got to where we are? Because somebody was more influential than the kingdom of God in America in the 21st century. I'm sorry, we get a D. We've not been doing a very good job bringing the message of salvation to people in need because when people receive a message of salvation, their minds change. Their hearts are renewed. Their spirits come alive and they become with a disposition of humility to God and they look to him as king. And now what he says is good is good. And what he says is evil is evil. And what he says is right is right. What he says is wrong is wrong. What he says is important is, is important. And what he says is worthy of sacrifice, we put on the altar. And this is a work that only God can do. Do you realize that? We're fighting an impossible battle if we're not going to invoke the power of the Holy Spirit to save people and to transform them one at a time. We're playing a game of cosmic freeze tag here, folks. You need a middle school illustration? We got a whole world locked in darkness unable to do anything. And we got the power of freedom, the Holy Spirit, and we bring the good news to them, unfrozen, 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 unfrozen. You know how this game is won. You have to get more unfrozen people than frozen people. And then it's only just a few minutes before the whole thing is won, right? Did you ever play this game? Move the chairs. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Now listen, we know who wins and we know who has the power. The enemy's trying to get people frozen and on lockdown all over the place, but he'll only win if we stop running around touching people with good news, it's power to save. That's why Paul and Romans said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. That's, that's we're gonna talk about that next week, but that's crazy. It's crazy talk, but it's the power of God. Mm. Now, power to save. Secondly, power to transform. So say power to transform. I got news for you, brothers and sisters. I'm glad you're here today, because someone needs to tell you this. You are a bit of a fixed upper <laughs> You are. You are not move-in ready. Do you realize that? Anybody ever moved into a house under renovation? I have every time. Lord help us. Every single house we've lived in, we've been doing renovations on. We even lived with a family. It was their house, and they were renovating while we lived there. It wasn't even my house. And uh, it's the worst. And so when we had our, the house we're in now. Uh, we bought it as an investment property uh, in 2015 when properties were worth nothing. We paid a fraction of what it's worth today, but this house was hundred years old. It had been a halfway house for 30 years. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of people have lived there. It had so much work done to it that there was like nine layers of demolition. It was terrible, but we thought, hey, we'll have this little hobby. We'll fix this thing up. Maybe over the course of five or 10 years, we'll make some money on this as a property. So we had the resources to do it, and so we did it. And then Tiffany got pregnant with our fourth child, and she said, you know what? Why don't we move into that house? And so I was like, listen, we can move into that house, but we are not moving in there until the last outlet cover is screwed on. Everything is caulked and painted. It is like ready, 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 ready. Doesn't that sound reasonable? Listen, if I showed you a picture of this house 30 days before we moved in, it would haunt your dreams, okay? I'm not even kidding, I should have brought a picture. You'd have been like, oh my gosh. It was awful, it was terrible. When we moved in, we have three and a half bathrooms now finished, we had one working bathroom, four children, pregnant wife one working bathroom on the second floor. It was barely livable, no countertops, no window dressings. Hey world, we're here. That's what was happening. We moved right in and we've lived in there. Now here's the thing, Um, you are a fixer upper, but God's power is power to transform. The most amazing thing that just blows my mind about God is he moves in, in the middle of the renovation. The power of the Holy Spirit, cleanses you through the blood of Jesus, and God moves right into your heart. Some of us can't even stand to be your neighbor, and he dwells on the inside of you from day one. But you are under renovation, See, God is at work and has power to transform. And listen, this should give you so much hope. This should give you so much hope for yourself, so much hope for your close relationships, so much hope for your community, because if God can alter you and change your course, let me give you an illustration. Friday, we had the best surfing conditions of the year, maybe five years. Hurricane Larry pumped in this swell. It was four and a half feet at 16 seconds. Do you have any idea the velocity of those waves? You wanna talk about power? Don't get me going. I I serve Florida East Coast mush on a six-foot twin-fin fish, and you're just trying to work for some power. This is the kind of wave that's just... And I went out Wednesday, and I went out Thursday, twice on Thursday. Friday morning was the day. I went down there before the sun came up. I had my 6'4 gun thruster, rounded pin, never get to ride that board. I dust all over it, It sits on the wall. And I stood there with my feet in the ocean, and I looked at these seven, eight-foot, perfect, peeling, hollow waves, Not a soul in the water, just me and Jesus. And I surfed for an hour, one hour. Now listen, before I met Jesus, I would have surfed until my skin was falling off and my arms were noodles. I'd have been paddling in, in the dark. Because that is the day you live for. That is the day you quit your job for. Literally, Yet Friday was like, I have to go to work. Quit, just quit. No job is worth this. That's the day. And at eight o'clock, I got out of those perfect conditions. And I went home, and I... is my daughter's birthday, Evie's birthday. I drove with my family, all of us, the loud ones I was telling you about, to the American Girl doll store <laughs> for two hours and then walked around the Florida Mall for two hours, and then drove an hour and a half home to get home in the dark and didn't surf any of those hours. You know that I would have rather been in the American Girl doll store than in the lineup that day. You know why? It's not just because I'm I'm a good dad or because because I love my daughter and it's her birthday and do the right thing. Listen, 10 years ago, I would have been like this in the store, like (laughs) I'd have been like faking sick. You guys go without me. <laughs> go, just go. I'll be fine. Because my heart was in a different place. Listen, God, God literally transformed my heart. I wanted to be in the American Girl doll store with my 12-year-old on the best surfing day of the year. Do you understand the transformation that takes place here? Listen, I got good news for you. Maybe you came here with somebody and you're like, "We're barely making it." Great, cuz I know a guy and he does good work. He's on Angie's list. He renovates the heart, and if you come in here, he's got power to transform. Anybody anybody, listen. I'm so glad that you come to church, but bring the people you're trying to love to church. Do it for them and enjoy the benefits of the power of transformation. God can change anybody. He can change anybody. There's nobody he can't change. And as soon as he moves in, he starts the renovation. He's got power to transform. Finally, power to save, power to transform, power to restore. Somebody say restore. I picked this word. I could have said, this is kind of both ways, but listen. Um, You ever have that feeling like, will things ever be the same again? I was feeling that yesterday, big time. We were commemorating the 20th anniversary of 9-11. We've been watching these 9-11 documentaries the past few nights. I remember looking at these videos and they just do something to your soul. They bring you back to the way we all felt. I was even feeling like, God, if I've drifted so far from the way I felt that day to the way I feel today, and just watching this documentary and seeing this footage is, is like having this impact on me. I just feel like, man, we've lost something. Do you feel like we've lost something? Do you look around and not recognize the world we live in and you go, ah. Oh. And, and now I understand the nostalgia of my parents and the way they talked about the good old days. And I realized when they were talking about their good old days, I was living in my good old days. And we, we get this overwhelming sense of loss. But listen, we serve the God Of restoration. His promises have always been, I will give you back. Look at Joel chapter 2. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. Listen, God says, sometimes I gotta do some damage. Sometimes I gotta do some demolition. But I'm not only gonna not leave it like that, I'm gonna bring it back and restore it to you. The stuff you would have had then, I'm gonna give you later. He does a work of restoration, and that is powerful. Power that you cannot imagine. Are you facing an impossible situation? Are you in a difficult marriage? Are you have a broken relationship with a child or a sibling? Is there something that's broken you on the inside? And you look back and you go, if I could just rewind the tape to right before that happened. Listen, we serve the God of limitless power and he has power to restore to make it better than it was, to give you what you lost, to bring you to a place where you go, this, uh, this is better than anything I ever could have imagined. Amen. Do you understand? And this is wrapped up in the power of what he did through Jesus and the work he's doing by his Holy Spirit. You know, this passage in Joel chapter two, you shall eat, in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. My people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, that I am the Lord your God, that there is none else and my people shall never be put to shame. You know what he says about that in verse 28? And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost after the ascension of Jesus. He said, guess what? Now we're in the age where you get the spirit and you get the spirit, and you get the spirit, everybody gets the spirit. And God's work of restoration begins. So the question is, do you have God limited at what he can do in you, for you, through you? Do you think that this world is out of control? Are you, are you, are you ready to renew your passport? Come on, I know you've had those conversations. You don't know whether to fight or run. The reality is, is that God has power he has power to save. He has power to save those people. He has power to save them. He has power to intervene and to release people locked in darkness and to set them free. And he's a God who's patient to restore and to transform, which means he can do it in your own heart. Maybe you've, maybe you've lost faith in God for the power to keep changing you. Maybe you've got, man, I'm just plateaued. It's just mediocre. I'm just moving forward. Never going to be different. Never going to grow out of this. Maybe it's a circumstance. This is too big for God. It's too late. The toothpaste is out of the tube, we used to say. There's no getting it back. Listen, you underestimate God's limitless power and it's a power at work in you right now. If you put your faith in Jesus, then you have received the deposit of the Holy Spirit. Now the scriptures talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know we got some good Pentecostals in the house. They go, wait, don't leave without telling them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need his power. There is a whole complexity to this. But listen, it starts with you inviting God into your space, into your mind, into your heart, inviting the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to work. Some of you, it's going to begin with salvation. Listen, you may know a lot about Jesus. You may believe in Jesus. The scriptures say the demons believe. just believe, Just believing there's a Jesus doesn't do anything. Have you... Have you knelt the knee? Have you confessed with your mouth? Have you believed in your heart? He's the Lord, I'm not. And I'm looking to you in humility and repentance. That's when you receive salvation and the power of God begins to work. That's when you are cleansed so the Holy Spirit can begin. And then when you with open hands come to God and say, hey, I'm gonna unconfine my brain of all the limits I put on you and I invite your Holy Spirit to work in me. And he empowers you to witness, to tell people the truth about Jesus and to watch them transformed. Listen, you wanna know what can change this? this world, this country we're living in, faster than the next political election cycle? Revival! You know where that starts? When you say yes to God, and then when you do what he wants you to do by his power, the power and weakness. It can change the world. Give it a, I'll give it 30 days. It could change everything, because when everyone's minds are changed, nothing will stay the same. Listen, you won't need abortion laws if no one wants to get an abortion, will you? When people have God's heart for the unborn. That I could go on, but I'm out of time. First Peter 5, 6 to 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let us be the people that go all chips in towards the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us be the people that say, God, I'm going all in towards your power. It's counterintuitive, but I'm, I'm going I'm to lean into the weakness. I'm going to lean into the sacrifice. I'm going to lean in against the evil and for the people. I'm going to do what you've called me to do, and I'm going to see your power at work in me, and for me, and through me. Amen. God, I just pray for everyone in my hearing. Lord, that there would not be any person who walked in here without life in Jesus' name to walk out without it. God, I thank you that your truth transforms and sets free. God, I pray that there would be salvation in response to the truth that's been spoken. And God, I pray that every single believer eager for the power, your limitless power at work, God, that we would experience it as we, with open hands, humble ourselves before you, fight against the evil one put it all on the line and watch your Holy Spirit work in us and through us and for us. Would you do it? And might we see it starting now in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Our prayer teams are here. They'd love to pray with you. You're welcome to hang out as long as you want, as long as you get your children first. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday. And remember, you're welcome to this week's joy event, 615 here at the church. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.